Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free resource mouse pad. If you go to axontiretips.com, go to the bottom, fill out the forms, and, and, and uh, put your information in there. They'll send you not one, but two resource mouse pads for all your resources needs that you may possibly need. So check that out. That axontiretips.com is it also has some really good white papers and some really good uh, studies there that you can look at about having to do with compaction and, and a few other things there. So check that out. A lot of good information there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Lastly, TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion worth of heavy, heavy machinery sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I am doing very well. Made her back. Never, never, never better. Back her, from Montreal. Made her back from French Canada all the way down there. Was it? Was the weather nice up there? 50s at night, 70s during the day. If uh, if you're not a Floridian, you'd think it would be great. Mm. I was chilly. I bet you so. were. You probably had stocking cap on, gloves, the whole nine yards. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, needed a little uh, uh, something that's charcoal uh, activated gloves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. On the verge of frostbite up there, being <laughs> temperatures like that. <laughs> All right, Sean, there's uh, a lot of turmoil right now in the marketplace. Tons of sell-off over the last couple of weeks. Corn and soybeans have lost almost two bucks. Um, you look at cotton. You know, I want to talk about that a little bit here. Cotton right now is trading at a dollar and nine cents, and that was this last last week when we talked about it, it was a dollar forty something. So huge, huge decline in cotton. Um, I guess as you're looking at at the cotton market right now, Sean, um, you know it's one of those leading indicators about the economy and all those other things as well, but 
everything last over the last couple of weeks of just taking a haircut. So I guess talk about that a little bit. We see happening there. Well, it's interesting because remember, uh, normally commodities go up when the dollar goes down, right? Uh, throughout history, but the last two years the dollar's been going up and commodities have been going up. Very unusual to see both going up at the same time, but the U.S. dollar was devaluing against Bitcoin cryptocurrencies, meaning Bitcoin. You know, mm-hmm. so that so there was a devaluation going on, just not the traditional devaluation that we normally expect. With meaning against other currencies, gold and silver were not devaluing. So, but then all of a sudden, about a month ago, Bitcoin completely crashed. The cryptocurrencies completely crashed. Yes, it did. And. And, the, and then the U.S. dollar index started to surge further, and that finally got um, the speculators into feeling that now we actually have a stronger dollar. I mean, it's appreciating now against everything, including the cryptocurrencies, and we had a mass liquidation event on top of the Fed Reserve raising rates, lowering liquidity, and, of course, the worries over a slowing economy. And so we had copper getting hit. Crude oil getting hit, everything getting hit. So I really think the trigger here was that once the cryptocurrencies caved in, then the market started to fear deflation. Because whenever the dollar rises against everything else, it's a deflationary force. And um, and once they start selling, Casey, the margin clerks get control. They force selling, more margin calls, force selling. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts believing the narrative that you know, we're going down the tubes, and, and, and then the technical barriers are broken, and then you have a just a complete crash. And that's yep. what we've had. But, as you know, Casey, we've been warning on the show, and you know, remember, we were super bearish in May and warned about a major important top in grains in mid-late May, which is exactly when it happened. But we've been warning about the really strong potential for a weather scare rally from now into the latter part of July, mid-late July. I think that the rally actually started. So it's just it's just started now. Uh, the overnight trade were up big, um, and uh, and we're starting to see uh, the forecast for the U.S. after this week dry out considerably with some heat coming back in. But more importantly, Europe is burning up. I mean, it looks like we're going to have 100 degrees, 105 degrees, no rainfall for the majority of Europe. You know. For the next two to three weeks, um, and we warned that that this that 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 both Europe and the U.S. would 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 the combination of, of those two would set off a weather scare rally that producers could sell into. And I really think that Europe is the bigger story here right now. I mean, it looks really really rough over there. And of course, it's really really a story for wheat. You know, that's really what they are going to have a hard time getting uh, getting through here. And so, if you're a producer. You're, you know, and you haven't sold everything you wanted to sell, or you missed the May high, or whatever that case. I think you're going to get a you know, two to three week rally here. Doesn't mean we're going back to where we were, by the way, but a, a nice rebound weather scare rally that you can sell into, and get some better prices. If you're in the livestock business and you need some short term needs, you don't you're not covered in the let's say the next thirty days or sixty days. You might want to get some feed bought on a short term basis because because you know we never know how far weather rallies will go. But I'm pretty confident. This combination of really, really hot, dry Europe and, and drying and warming up U.S. is going gonna, is gonna to allow for some reversion of this big correction we've had. So. Right on. Okay. All right. 
Let's talk about milk here for a second, because again, milk was uh, not sheltered from any of this this uh, last couple weeks of this storm that we saw on the uh, 29th of June. It was trading at 24.33, and today it's at 22.39. So you lost almost two dollars a gallon uh, per, or not two dollars a gallon, two dollar two dollars per hundred weight out there, and. I guess as you're looking at at milk right now, I mean, what are your what are you seeing right there, and, and what are some of the the tails you're seeing there as far as milk price goes? Well, we had been warning our dairy producers that we thought we'd get a a big break into that 21, 22 area. Uh, we made that forecast um, in May and, and reiterated it in June, and so um, this is exactly and it was really predicated on the idea that a lockdown China would have to pull back from dairy demand without China buying dairy. International prices would tank, which they have, mm -hmm. and the U.S. price always follows, which they, which is now has. Um, so that's uh, uh, so. Just as an example, their dairy demand in the month of May was down sixteen percent year over year. You know, shows you how much their demand pulled back because of the lockdowns and and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But that, now that that's happened, um, the next iteration of this is that they're starting to slowly lower these restrictions on these 500 million people that they told to stay in their homes and apartments and don't go anywhere. The start of these restrictions, we just saw yesterday and today some serious, serious um, uh, monetary and fiscal stimulus that they're now going to be pumping into the Chinese economy. Think what we did in 2020. Yeah. It looks like they're about to do that now to get their economy going again and, and, and repair some of the damage that we know occurs when you sh shut down huge parts of your population for three or four months. So I think that huge stimulus and the gradual lowering of restrictions is, is suggesting that as we get into the fall, they're going to be their demand for dairy and for meat proteins, by the way, you know, whether it's beef or it's pork, chicken, we're going to see a big surge, a resurgence of that demand to, to, fe to feed into this uh, reopening and fiscal stimulus, and to do some restocking, uh, which of course uh, you know they've been running down some of these supplies. So I'm pretty confident that the correction in milk is probably mainly run its course. It doesn't mean it off off and away to a, a bull market right away. We might need to bottom, uh, do some bottoming action here. But I'm, I kind of think most of the downside is behind in dairy, and I think from here. You know, I'm looking at a bottoming out and, and, a, and a surge to new highs as we get into the fourth quarter. So I, I like what I'm seeing from China. And by the way, this would have bullish implications for things like cotton and things like copper as well. Things that are economically sensitive to the Chinese economy and the Chinese demand, like dairy, like beef, like cotton, like copper, I think are going to have a renaissance um, you know, from late summer into the fourth quarter. In most of those markets, if you look at the charts, have reached some pretty serious support that probably bottoms them out. So I think, for the most part, Casey, the worst is behind us on dairy. Right on. Okay. So I was reading an article this. It's funny you bring that up. I was reading an article this morning about in in Shanghai. Um, they're back on a COVID alert, and they're they're toying with the idea of completely shutting everything back down in Shanghai again because of another outbreak. So something to pay attention to, something to watch, because just like you said, you know, if that comes back into play, then that. You're still looking at getting supplies over there because they've got to be to the point now where, like you just talked about, supply has got to be low, and they've got to start feeding that back 
that funnel back in there. So yeah, it's 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 going to be a slow moving train. There's going to be stops and starts. Sure. going to reopening, reclosing. Sure. But overall, I think by the time we get to the fall, and certainly by the time we get to the fourth quarter, I think they're going to be. A, a pretty decent swath of that group are going to be in some kind of a reopening phase. Um, and that's why I don't think it's a V bottom here. I think we could bottom out, you know, have a bottoming pattern here while we slowly get this going. But the fact that they're willing to pump serious capital into the Chinese economy through money printing and through fiscal stimulus, mm -hmm. I don't think they would do it if they were going to remain locked down. I think they're doing it because I think they're getting ready to, to remove some of the restrictions and they're trying to provide a tailwind to those people that are obviously going to be hurting from their businesses, you know, go, you know, not having any revenue and people not being able to earn income and that sort of thing. So it's complicated, but I do think most of the downsides is, is, um, you know, is uh, priced in here. And I do think at some point, even if you're locked down, you still have to eat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so much. That's, a, that's another good point you make there because I'm another article I read this morning. They're talking about, the Chinese pork price and how it surged so much, and most of it's around the fact of the reluctance to sell by producers because they need to keep what they've got so they can feed their families or whatever that they, they've got going on around them. So talk about what you see. How, how's that affecting what you see in the overall the hog, hog market right now? Well, we've talked about this lots and lots of times. We had a, that second round of African swine fever sure. about a year ago. It forced herd liquidation, massive, massive oversupply, it crashed the pork price. It crashed the hog price in China, and our exports to China just evaporated. Mm -hmm. Without selling to, to China, you know, we have too much pork. Even though our animal feeding units in the U.S. are at five-year lows, we still need to sell to China. We can't sell enough to everybody else to 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 not have an oversupply. Um, so that, but 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 now we're starting to see the hog price in China take off. As you said, we're starting to see. Uh, that this oversupply has been worked through, and now we're going to be in a herd rebuilding phase again over there. And that means that the available supply of hogs that are going to be available to the market as we start reopening, as they're pumping money into the Chinese economy, is not going to be enough. And so they're going to have to come back and buy from who has that supply. And obviously, the U.S. is one of the few places that has large quantities of pork that they can buy. Um, and so I do think that the outlook for pork demand and pork exports to China from the U.S. looks very, very good, once again, from the third quarter, especially into the fourth quarter. So I think the hog market, uh, I would be pretty constructive of the hog market after this correction we've seen. I think we're going to be looking at a, a pretty good go of it as we get into the end of the year. I think all the meat proteins are looking good, including dairy. And, I, and like I said, anything that's economically sensitive to Chinese demand, um, including soybeans, by the way. You know, soybeans obviously, um, you know, catch a bid too. If, if they've got to start feeding a bunch of piglets and they start producing more animals, they're going to need a lot more bean meal. And that means that they need a lot more soybeans to crush into bean meal. So, so that's something you look out on the horizon on soybeans and say, and there could be a surge in demand in soybean exports as well later in the year. So all this is suggesting this vertigo, this crash we've seen on, some of the factors we've talked about, I think is temporary. It may last a little while longer, but I think by the time we get past August, Casey, I think we're going to be looking at some pretty exciting upside again. And so those on the cash buy side of these markets need to be very careful not to let, let these lower prices, um, you know, 
uh, go away. I, I really think you have to have some kind of a program, a buy program for your feed needs, for you know, the buy side of these markets going into the end of August to make sure that you are methodical, disciplined in getting the job done. Because once this thing turns, you know, I don't think you want to be uh, you know, chasing $8 corn again. I think you've been given an opportunity to get yourself in a better spot cost-wise, and you should definitely be you know, looking to do that between now and the end of August, early September. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about India for just a minute here. So they've they've uh, they banned um, wheat exports in May, and they've kind of opened that back up a little bit, but not not hardly like at all like it was. But for the most part, it's still pretty well locked down. Now they've they've banned um, well, at least they're requiring permission to export wheat flour out of of India. Um, as you take a look at what's going on right now with wheat harvest, and, and it's not been a good crop at all. I mean, it's very spotty, but for the most part, it's just not not the best wheat wheat crop we've had in a, in a long time. So I guess with that news coming out of India now, where they're shutting down flour and and wheat exports altogether, so everything, and then what we have now, what what are your thoughts on wheat, and where do you see it headed here over the next couple months? Well, I mean, wheat has lost six dollars a bushel. <laughs> yep. So it's quite a haircut. Yes, it is. Uh, it's quite a haircut. Um, so you know, and so 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 why has it fallen six dollars a bushel? I think it fell six dollars bushel because a lot of the speculators that piled into wheat piled in because of the Ukraine Russia story right. and the inflation story. And when we, the dollar started to take off and Bitcoin started to crash and the Fed started to raise rates, they started losing the inflation story. And all this, and they just, you know, you can only trade a story for so long, Casey. You know, I don't care if it's weather. I don't care if it's a geopolitical event. But the market no longer is, cares about Ukraine, Russia in terms of the, the market pricing mechanism. They've lost interest. It no longer matters to them. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but to the market, it's moved on. It doesn't, it just doesn't, it's not interested in trading Ukraine, Russia anymore, unless there's something new and exciting that comes out that re that that's, that's a different iteration than we, this, yeah, they're, they're at war and, and, and it's, it's nothing's changed. They're talking, but the market's done with that. They don't want to trade that anymore. And we said, we saw the same thing with the trade war. After a while, the market just didn't care anymore. Yeah. It just didn't matter. They moved on. So, so all those people say, well, why do I own wheat if I don't care about this Ukraine situation anymore and the inflation story is over? And then they sold off. But the fundamentals have not changed at all. So here's a situation where the fundamentals don't really change much, but the price can change dramatically based upon the perception of speculator psychology. There may not be a ton of supply in the physical market, Casey, but there was a ton of supply in the futures market. You know, hmm. That's a fundamental. The futures speculative supply that can be sold onto the market at once, if those speculators want to, is a fundamental in the market. Now, it's a, it's a financial fundamental, but it is still a fundamental. And I think a lot of people in the market who analyze markets don't correctly factor in the supply of speculator supply potential in the market. They only look at supply, physical supply, and physical man. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but we got caught with 
too much speculative supply coming onto the wheat futures market and not enough buyers in the market has done what it's done. Having said all of that, certainly you start getting into the $7 to $8 area, Casey. You know, this is a good value again. We're getting to a place where the market is overshot. The fundamentals, you know, haven't changed too much. Ukraine still isn't looking like they're going to be having record crops and being able to export stuff anytime soon. Um, and even though Russia and the U.S. is harvesting and we have that typical harvest pressure, the situation in wheat is still very precarious. And so I think now that it appears to me that the speculator are getting sold out of wheat, meaning that they've done most of the selling that I think they need to do, we, can now, we now can get back into a constructive period where I think the wheat market can reprice back up again and reconnect with what, what's actually the correct fundamental price. I don't think seven and a half or eight is the right fundamental price to the downside. And I don't think 14 was, I think 14 was too high. There's some number in between cases that's the right price for, what, for the current situation. And my job uh, is to look at when we overshoot in either direction and make sure producers and end users take advantage of that when it's to their advantage. Right now, a physical buyer of wheat you know, needs to be looking at procuring those physical supplies during this week period because uh, I don't believe this is sustainable. At, you know, we, might, we might be able to sit here for 30 or 60 days, but I don't think this is a sustainable level going forward with what I see coming. And remember, we're just beginning in the midst of what's clearly going to be, in my opinion, a major weather market here in Europe on wheat. So already prices may be ready to do something to the upside. So I, I really, really want to emphasize physical buyers of wheat. Doesn't mean you buy it all, but you just need to get some upside protection here or get some physical needs bought. You've got a $6 haircut. Sure, it can always go lower, but how much of a haircut do you want before you start putting some physical wheat in your coffers at a, at a huge discount from what you were looking at just a couple of months ago. It's time you're looking at the buy side of wheat as a physical buyer. Right on. All right, good, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information, white papers, uh, podcasts, interviews, sample reports to give your listeners a really good idea of how we do things with our weather algorithm, our capital holes algorithm, and some of this fundamental work to see if we could be of value and of service to your listeners. Right on. Okay. Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always a blast. Thank you very much. All right, Sean Hackett. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also go to Moving Iron on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. You can also check us out on the YouTube channel at Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out there as well. Looking for more information about the Moving Iron Podcast, go to movingironllc.com. Everything Moving Iron related is there. Blog posts, all the uh, entire library of, of, of the podcast as well as all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're interested in checking that out, if you're a dealer you want to check that out, go to uh, the upper right corner, click on the Moving Iron Summit tab, and all the information is right there. If you need more information, send me an email at movingironpodcast, movingironpodcast.com, and I'll be happy to get that information back to you. So uh, I, my friend Alex is still over in Ukraine, driving around, passing out humanitarian aid. So if you're interested in helping Alex, go to his GoFundMe page. And look up Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine. Or just go to the show notes here and you can click the link there and help him any way you can. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go to the folks. Out.
Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.